This is Get a Load of This Podcast, where we cover topics for truckers and entrepreneurs alike. Our guests are coming straight from the trucking industry and industries that directly influence and impact the truckers and trucking companies. We want to bring tremendous value to today's leaders and entrepreneurs and our future of the trucking industry. The common passion amongst our hosts and our guests is one thing. It's you. It's you, the people that make this country move, the trucking industry. Enough with the introductions. Let's get this load on the road. We are your hosts, Thomas, Cameron, and Ryan. Let's get rolling. Ooh, and we're live. What's up, folks? Everybody, welcome back to another episode of Get a Load of This Trucking Podcast. As always, this is your host, Cameron Pichy, owner of Valley Trucking Insurance and uh, one of the co-founders of this podcast. With me today, I got special co-host, Thomas Comstock. Tommy, what's happening? Oh, you know, trying to do the thing, having a good day. Another another day in the life of sales. I feel like sales is so up and down and like uh, I was reviewing... At least for my clients and our clients, actually, for our agency, there's a lot of people that went out of business last year. Yeah, yeah. It was surprising to me. And for a salesperson, that's not good because we live on commission. So that's not fun, Um, which is I think part of the reason this podcast was born is like, how can we bring education and value and insight and um, help truckers stay in business? Because then that helps everybody and helps the economy and keeps America moving. And uh yeah, here we are, right? It's been a fun little journey. What's it going on now? Like uh, eight months? For the podcast, I think we hit 12, man. I think it's yes. over a year now. Jeez. Yeah, man. Well, it started with an idea. <laughs> yeah, we're going to release a weekly tip via, I don't even know, to a podcast. And it's been awesome, man. The guests that we've had, it's been amazing. I'm, I'm super excited. And I think it's bringing value. The feedback's awesome. And so we're going to keep it rolling. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I think it's good. So one of the things that our guest today, uh, in light of kind of me doing this recent research project and just kind of observing folks going out of business and stuff like that, is I really think it's important for entrepreneurs, business owners, individuals in general to have multiple streams of income and multiple buckets and things that they safety nets or however you want to frame it of like security there. And so you need to bring in money or have financial freedom in multiple forms. And I think uh, truck company owners, a big way that, you know, a big reason a lot of them are doing it is to make money. It's a lifestyle. It is to create freedom. It is to have control over their schedule, but ultimately get to a position where they can retire. And my buddy, our special guest on today, uh, Stephen Wiley, I met and I look up to him and he's done a lot in the real estate industry. And I think that's a way that a lot of people, there's opportunity to make income via rentals, flips, finance, hard money lending. I mean, there's a multitude of ways to make additional streams of income with the income you're earning off your business. And then now you're starting to leverage money, which then makes money, which then makes money, which creates more freedom. And so uh everyone let's welcome my uh buddy steven wiley wiley how are you i'm well how you guys doing thanks for letting me be on your show man man we're so good and we're hoping i know the guests are tuning in because they're like how do i make more money and how do i insulate myself from the economy and the bad economy and like the ups and downs of trucking and i think this is a great 
opportunity. And uh, the story that I think, Stephen, we're going to dive into today is like you're, you've been through the ups, you've been through the downs, you've been through very, very high and all very, very low. And now you're kind of back to an even place. Uh, is that is that accurate? Yeah, I've, I've been around long enough to see uh, all the all the good and bad stuff and and make my mistakes and and uh, hopefully make some some good calls along the way. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, it's an adventure. Like all entrepreneurial and, you know, trucking is probably similar. A lot of business is all very similar. There's, there's the good times and the bad times and you learn a lot from getting your ass kicked. And, um, and, and if you don't, then, uh, you're stupid and you shouldn't. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what is stupid sometimes works. It's just very expensive. (laughs) It is expensive. Well, the problem is we've all been stupid, so there's, you know. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> stupid is the stupid does. Yeah. Here we are. The work yeah. of those. I'm in. All right. <laughs> right. Hey, Steve, you got ties back into the trucking community, right? My grandpa uh, drove, uh, I'm not sure how, because I was young, but he drove uh, fuel trucks um, all over town, and awesome. I think regionally washington state idaho oregon maybe california and um utah i think but yeah he drove for a company called pie retired with them and and uh never got to like ride in his truck but i just knew that that's what grandpa did and um i always in my you know like you have your like you know what if 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 the whole shooting show goes down i'd i'd get my cdl and just long haul it just disappear into America, you know. I could, I could dig that vibe. I, I have huge respect for guys and gals who do that. So, oh, it's a huge sacrifice, and none of us would have any equipment or housing nope. or clothing or nothing. Like the economy halts. If if trucking stops, the economy stops. World stops turning. Yeah. People start dying because you got to think, and people don't understand like the the medical chain and like the oh, yeah. providing vaccinations or. Um, medications or medical equipment to folks, it all comes on a truck, right? Everything. Yep. And so, yeah, I've got an immense amount of respect. And I mean, that's what we do every single day. Thomas and I are involved in the trucking communities every single day. And um, man, we get passionate about it. We love it. So, and that, you know, part two, I think a lot of it's education. And that was the whole premise of what we wanted to bring. And I think that these truck drivers and stuff, you know, I think an area of education is how do I acquire wealth or land and and start to expand my opportunity outside of just trucking? Like they can use it as a catapult or a catalyst to go do other things. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about your background, just in real estate in general, what even kind of led you down that path. And then let's talk about the early days, what got you to this point. And I'm sure there's a lot of cool stories we'll, we'll uncover in there. So. Yeah, I um, grew up, my dad was entrepreneurial and, and started buying rental property when I was like, I don't know, 10, 11 years old. And, um, you know, I was back when you're in Spokane, Washington, at least, where you could buy a house for eight, nine thousand, ten thousand bucks. These were not houses you wanted to live in, but you could buy them, fix them up, keep them. And so dad started doing that. He also started a, a, another business that he built at the same time as he did that, which, you know, similar to the like a trucking gig where like it's your business you're growing this business but he also had his real estate going at the same time and then at some point uh in the early 90s uh sold that business 
and actually paid off a bunch of his real estate. And so that I grew up kind of immersed in that world. Um, so it wasn't a big stretch for me to go start doing that. I, I graduated, I was homeschooled through high school. So I graduated my junior year and I had my real estate license by the time I was uh, 19, I think it was. Um, and so I started just uh, doing, you know, realtor things, which I'm not a huge fan of being a realtor myself, but it's a great, a great way to be in the industry and, and find deals. And, and I learned a lot uh, through that. You meet all kinds of folks, other realtors, and you get deals. And I would help my dad buy and sell stuff. And, and then when I was, oh, shoot, I think uh, 21 or 22, I bought my first rental house. And, um, and I just started uh, buying rental houses. And, um, you know, the fun, the interesting thing about that is I was young, so I didn't, you know, you don't know what fits you, what suits you. Um, I'm a very creative person. I'm a recording artist as well as everything else. I, I do screenwriting and just shot a, a short film and I have a lot of passion in that direction. Um, and so, um, there are things in real estate that I had to slowly realize, oh, that's not for me. And so that's a big part, actually, as you look at investing, you got to know where does this actually fit in my wheelhouse? Because you can end up doing something that makes you freaking miserable. Even if you make a few bucks, it, it may not be worth it. Um, so, you, you know, that was, that's something I've been learning over the years. So I owned rental property um, on and off over the last 20 years. I bought, I think I had about, uh, at my most I had about 10 or 12 houses. Um, and then in my mid-20s, I started going into developing new construction. I partnered with uh, my best friend, a guy named Todd Rothrock, um, who I'm still best friends with. And we went and started building uh, houses, developing land. And that was much more appealing to my uh, uh, personality. While I still had my rental houses, we did some renovated old buildings into some condos, downtown Spokane. I did some stuff on the west side in Seattle. And then, you know... Uh, young, semi-stupid um, in some respects where we just kind of, you know, our Walt Disney got bigger in our pocketbook. And then in 08, 07, things started tipping. There's a great, uh, great Warren Buffett quote. He says, you find out uh, who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. And, uh, and the tide went out and we didn't have any shorts on. Uh, <laughs> It was just, you know, it means we were leveraged. We had, you know, we owed, you know, millions of dollars on stuff. And then suddenly they weren't, property values tanked. And so, you know, you owe 12 million on something and, and it's worth nine. And that's a, that's a problem that you can't fix uh, until, you know, unless you can weather the storm, which, you know, we frankly couldn't. So we, at that juncture, I think I was about, what was I, 29, 30 years old. Um, we went, went bankrupt, lost. It was a huge education, very painful. Um, and you know, and, and in hindsight, probably didn't have to go bankrupt, but didn't know better. Didn't have people telling us otherwise. And, um, so went, started back at square one and, you know, market did a full on reset. And, um, and I actually moved to Nashville and started, uh, working on being a songwriter and kind of following up on that. Uh, passion for myself and uh, spent a few years there loved every minute of it um, 
concluded that, like many things, that's a road you really got to devote your life to. And I probably would have been better off starting a lot younger. Um, but and t- music business is a tough gig to have a family in, and so my wife and I realized this is probably not going to uh, be something we want to devote our you know our families existence to because it's just it's it's a tough tough road but it was awesome still love music still love songwriting all that stuff make well, and you made a ton of great connections over there i'm actually headed to nashville here this next week so i'm excited oh, to get down and experience some of the culture and the live music and the, the just the environment that it puts you in oh, so in I'm the, in is there any uh any place that i have to go we're staying at the gaylord um Opryland? uh Yep, Opryland. Yep. Um, where do you recommend kind of exploring down there? Well, you got to hit Broadway. You got to hit the Ryman. Um, all that downtown Nashville stuff, and then if you can, a Country Music Hall of Fame. Although I've never been there, but everyone says you should go there. It's <laughs> it's a tourist thing. It's a good touristy thing to do. And you got to hit yeah. Broadway, where you know you hit all the honky tonks. And uh, Nashville is so much bigger than it was even ten years ago. It's insane. Um, I would bounce down to, uh, Lynchburg. I think it is see the Jack Daniels distillery and, uh, Franklin, Tennessee. I lived in Franklin. That's where we lived. And Franklin's a civil war era town, cool history stuff. Uh, beautiful, beautiful area. Um, I love, I love Tennessee. Middle Tennessee is a beautiful area. I'd like to visit, go see friends there, but really cool place. So then you ended up. You did not do real estate down there or buy? No, I almost did. I started okay. venturing that way and I thought, you know what? Let's get back near family, get back near friends. Um, you know, and and it just, it was the right call. So in 14, 2014, we came back and, uh, and slowly I just, not totally meaning to, I just started buying houses again because the deals were there and, and I, it was something I knew. And it, you know, when something feels right, and that's actually something to think about as anyone's looking at investing, um, you got to know in your guts that this is going to really be the right call. Otherwise, you're just doing something because it's cool. Um, and uh, so it's, you know, I over that time, I bought more houses and then um, just recently uh, sold them all and um, I'm kind of in a a momentary lull um, and looking at actually potentially picking up some more in a different strategy, which is be more of a buy and hold type. Okay. And see, I think that's a good topic or point you bring up is strategies. Uh, and, and like initially, you know, you saw, you know, your, your dad probably bought, bought, hold and rent it out for long term, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, though, you've got short-term Airbnb, uh, and, and you've always had flips. You've always had even on the hard money side, like you can act as the bank, right, and lend money to people that actually want to buy, fix, flip, and then you get money back out of that. Um, what was your or what is your favorite strategy? And then what was like one of the main lessons you learned? from your early career to doing the property development and then now where you've reset because you've gained a ton of wisdom along the way. So I think that you can provide some insight to folks that are starting to explore this opportunity mentally. Yeah. I think the big thing is know the environment you're in and then ask yourself uh, and read 
what other people who are smarter than you have to say about what is the current economic vibe and then what's the play within that that environment so um you know for the last four years fixing and flipping houses was a very viable smart play to make money um you know it's high tax bracket money but it's it's money and it, and it was and in a lot of cases there was a lot to be made and a lot of people have done well now whether or not they play well out of that because the the environment is changing right now that's what we're observing with interest rates going up and inflation as a problem uh, that has to be wrangled then you have to look and say okay well uh, financing is not as favorable so and people aren't buying and selling houses like they were and it, it's been pretty and, and we're in a this is an interesting moment to talk about this because if we were talking about this 10 months ago um, you know that that's the fickleness you learn over time and it's something I've been wary of is everybody was a genius 10 months ago everybody knew you know, <laughs> just wow. making money on money, wow. cash on cash deals all day. Here's how you do it. You borrow money. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the interest rate is because you're going to flip that thing in three months and you're going to make blah, 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 blah. And duh. And, you know, and, and it's true till it isn't. And once it's not true, it's a swift kick in the junk and it hurts. And, and that's, you know, and so right now that's where we're at. All of a sudden, there's a lot of investors that are getting some weak knees and they're staring at these deals and they're staring at their private money loans and their short-term interest rates. And they're thinking, Shit, what am I going to do? I don't know if I can flip this. And, and they're smart too. That means they at least got enough wherewithal to know that. And, and so you want to think, in my opinion, it's time to find deals and, them and rents are very good the rental market is solid and so right now as of september 30th 2022 that's the most appealing strategy but if you're going to participate as an investor in real estate for the next 10 20 years 30 years whatever your trajectory is on life and and your investments then you need to know these are the seasons of real estate. It is what it is. And it's you can complain about it. You can be mad about it. It just is what it is. Get over it. Figure out how it plays and participate in a manner that's going to be to your advantage. And for folks who are in the truck biz uh, and, and, and doing whether you're an owner operator or you're running a, a larger company, with you are – probably collecting capital that you need to figure out how to allocate and invest. So you're looking at the stock market. You're looking at all the different things that are available to you. And it's a wonderful position to be in because no matter, in fact, a down real estate market is better for you um, because you have money to park somewhere and you want to buy things when they're not popular. And because you don't have to care about uh, appreciation. If you want to play the appreciation game and flip and all that, well, good for you. That's great. It can work. But now is not going to be a good time.
maybe a year from now, maybe five years from now. I don't know. That's that we'll all find out. But uh, the, the, the beauty of being in a position where you are a successful business owner and you have income and you don't, you know, real estate's not going to make or break your life. It's a, it's a vehicle for growing wealth. Then you are trying to buy and hold and this, and your whole goal is to systemize that in a manner that makes your life good. And so that's when you ask the questions, am I going to be a landlord or is this a stupid thing for me to do? And I hire that out and have a property manager. All those things you'll start weighing out. But right now, in my opinion, if you're a, a business owner and you have income to invest, uh, real estate is a, a pretty safe spot because as long as people are renting houses and you can get in in an equitable, strong position, it, it's it's just a good place to play. Um, nothing's going uh, I love it. Hey guys, go. I got to cut in real quick. Um, lawnmower people just showed up and I'm not going to be able to hear you guys through the noise. So I'm going to back out. Um, so you guys don't hear all the lawnmower and shit too. Um, I will say one quick thing though. You learned your lesson from 2008. You got out before the crash this time. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I'll talk to you guys all later. Right. Nice to Good to see you. And, and I think, uh, Steven, like what's cool about that? And like my mind goes to, and as a business owner, in fact, I just got with my sales team this morning and talked about a business plan, whether it's a personal business plan, an actual business plan, an execution of like a strategy in real estate, trucking, whatever, vertical. Uh, It's having the vision, creating the business plan, doing the research on the market, seeking out advice from those that do know, or at least paying attention to what's going on so that you can adapt and hopefully it fits with your long-term strategy. So then you can adapt your goals to help achieve those things. Is that something you had done early on um, is create a business plan or was it kind of all up in your head or did you write out goals? Did you create like, Hey, I want to get X amount of doors to create this amount of income and retire at this level. What was your process? Um, All those things. And, and, and in various differing ways over the last 20 years. So my first 10 years in this, I was pretty hardcore because goals are legit. Um, if you write something down for the year, uh, right. you will be blown away how often that comes into being. Um, and, and, and you might not even look at your goals for six months and then you're like, holy crap, yep. you know, three out of five of these things I've done. Um, and so that stuff's, yeah, I, I've used all that. And I also um, am a big fan of um, kind of a uh, having a broad uh, kind of core value of like, you know, um, the, the thing that we get that gets lost in in capitalistic pursuits. And I'm a, a avid capitalist is um, quality of life. Um, and so I always try to balance my desire to be a goal setting person with, are these things actually going to make my life better? Or is it just a big thing because I want to do a big thing? Cause I like to do big stuff. It's fun, but I've also had to dial myself back and be like, you know what, dude, you don't need 50 houses. That's going to actually make your life miserable. It sounds great. It feels good to think about it. But at the end of the day, you know what's going to be better for me is probably about 15 or 20 or 
For you, it might be five or for another guy, it might be nine, but it's, you got to really dial in and know that there's not, it's not about being the biggest, the best. It's about finding that sweet spot. That's going to really work. And that's a, that's a thing that comes over time. I think when you're younger, it's easier to just be like big idea person. And and then you realize, yeah. And part of what I talk about too, with my folks, and I've done this in the past is, um, being well-rounded on your approach. So you you pay attention to your life and what are important. And if you were to have the best year ever, what are the things that would need to be done? And that could be health. Mm-hmm. That could be spiritual growth. That could be mental growth. That could be relationship building. It, it, it certainly is going to be business savvy and financially motivated in a certain sense. And then in your day-to-day and your overall vision, your overall goals or rocks or whatever you want to call them, does it meet that criteria? Right. And if it hits your schedule, is it enhancing one of those things that you want to do? And it, and it has to, like, you got to be diversified and you got to be well-balanced. So yeah. I know, and like, you know, I've got to spend time with my family and my wife. That's important to me. Yeah. I've got to spend time now on my future, which is retirement, which is also your family, but it's now financially motivated. So that kind of dictates that flow. Yeah. Um, also your personal sanity or for you, you've got your passions, uh, which is screenwriting and music and all that kind of right. stuff. So like it's, it's, it's a well-balanced, you know, what's funny as we're recording this, I literally just had, and I won't show the, the front, but uh, a rent check dropped off for hey. property. Right now. So uh, for the, for the timing of that. So a check just showed up and it's like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's good timing, but I, I thought, um, so for folks, I think the scary part uh, for a lot of people too, is like, they will research and, and do analysis and like, what do they call that analysis to paralysis, right? Like they just like want to know every single thing and they're just going to keep researching, keep researching, keep wanting to know the ins and outs without actually doing it right. right. At a certain point you have to do it and you just got to take the step and you got to learn, you're going to have to learn the lessons along the way. But to someone that has those barriers, like what's in like, what do you, what's your, I guess, advice just to like get in the game, like, like save up X amount, make sure you have X amount like that you can afford in the bank. Like what's your, your, what would be that advice to a new person? Yeah. Um, find the closest you can get to what you think works and then jump. Like it, it's that's, and, and know that it's going to feel surreal because if you've never bought an investment property or, or a piece of real estate outside of that's not your own home, it's kind of an interesting moment. I mean, I've done it so many times, but I still actually get like I'm just I'm buying a house right now, uh, and I and I and I don't totally know what I'm going to do with it because the market's changing. But I know based on my experience, well, this is going to work. But you, that's when you like have to embrace that kind of. My grandpa would always say, he'd say, Steve, do something, even if it's wrong, just do something because you can't not do something. You're alive and you know, and so that is the, there is the Indiana Jones moment where you got to step and (laughs) hope that it looks as good as it is when you (laughs) land. And um, I love it. Yeah. And I think. And, you know, it's cool because a lot of these folks took the risk starting their own trucking company. Exactly. Right. Or even saying, like, take it even before that is like, I'm going to go get a CDL. Yeah. Like, that's a moment. Like, that's an investment in yourself and oh, like yeah. for your future and the possibility. So I, I think folks just need to be 
comfortable and confident and just have faith in themselves that it will work out. And I mean, from your story, you took it really big and grandiose plans of scale and development and, and you ended up filing bankruptcy. Right. And but you were able to do that and then work your way back into it and hopefully learned along the way, which you did, obviously. But like, hey, I learned from my failures, right? I failed forward. I I know what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do. I know what I'm going to pay attention to and not now and like not get blinded mm-hmm. by some of these things and um, just learn from it, uh, from, from your past experience. And I'm guessing you had mentors and you were probably actively seeking advice and like trying to talk to folks that have done it before you. Okay. I mean, at least that's what I would do. Yeah. So, well, and I will say this to all the guys and gals out there who are, you know, you're active in your business. Nothing you do in real estate as an investor will be as scary, risky, or uh, adventurous as what you're already doing. Um, yep. And so just if if it's something that's interesting to you, just know it's uh, it's not as intense as what you're doing. And so it hopefully that makes it even more interesting to you. Hey, let's talk about the investment of time. Yeah. So, and you kind of uh, touched on a little bit like, hey, I can't have 50 doors, right. but I might be able to have 15 or I might be able to do 20, but I got to have a property management company. Like when you look at this, because you're experienced, how much time, because some of these guys are running a business, they have cash, but they might not have time, right. but they know they want to get into it. What would you caution? What would you say? Hey, this is kind of what I would prep for. And in my experience, this much, I guess we'll call it doors. Uh, These many doors will take this much time. And that's where I think the diversification comes in for folks that want to be the bank, that want to buy property notes, that want to actually buy and hold property or that want to flip property. There's different amounts of time that allocate to each of these. Right. Absolutely. And I think the, the big part is zeroing in on where you fit um, because that's going to decide your time. If you want to start looking at private notes, private, uh, private lending, um, you know, of your own money, you're going to want to really do your road work and, and be detailed and thorough. And it's going to, you're going to want to know that's going to take more of your time. If you're just looking to buy a, a rental property and, and hold it, as a place to park equity and maybe get a little cash flow while you pay that asset off over time. That's a pretty low time commitment, Uh, especially if you have a property manager, just know a property manager will never care as much as you. They will cost you more than you would want to pay. But it's it's a passive investment. And so if you can view it that way, and, and maybe you got the bandwidth to be an action to do your own management because you know, it, it, if you got one, two, three doors, then it can be actually pretty easy if everybody's paying. It's really, it can be very simple. Um, so that's where you'll feel it out. But there are a lot of different niches in there. So if you go certain routes, you're really going to want to be educated and, and, and talk to people, learn the stuff. Because once you get out of the simple buying and holding a long-term real estate asset, um, that's that's a different gig. There are guys who literally eat and breathe private money 50 hours a week. So that kind of shows you how how far down the rabbit hole you can go. Um, so but you know, on the just rental property side, 
it can be a pretty low time consuming thing. Um, and aside from when it has something goes sideways and you're dealing with a, you know, an eviction type situation. Um, and that's, that's Which you're still getting, su- you're getting support from legal and like you can pay someone to clean out the house. Like yeah. it just costs money. It's just, it's you either got time or money. You're going to yep. trade one or the other. Um, you know, what are you willing to trade? Yep. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that that's uh that's awesome. And it's funny and actually kind of surprising. I, I would have uh, thought the hard money route would have been less time commitment than the actual property owning and holding of the properties. Cause I feel like, well, you got the tenants, you got the um, screening process, you got turnover evictions, clean, like all this kind of stuff. Um, I didn't, I didn't realize that like where the hard money is like, no, you actually have to do the groundwork, know what you're doing. Like, you know, that whole bit. So, yeah. And I would say on the private money side, if you're, say you made two, say you got 200 grand and you wanted to lend that out at 10%. That can be pretty simple once you're done. Once it's in, in locked in, then yeah, there's no renters. There's no landlord tenant law to deal with. There's no evictions. It's, it's a foreclosure if something goes bad, but, but yeah, you're right. It is pretty, it's crickets and you're just cashing a check. But um, the problem with, with private money is it's usually not very long-term. Um, and so that money ends up rolling over because the interest rates are higher and people don't want to carry, they don't want to have to pay on a 10% note. Uh, now that's, you know, that's all a discussion to be had as interest rates change. But, but that's, that's why I would say that it's because private money tends to be shorter term money. Yep. Well, and a lot of it too, the higher interest, even where you're doing the hard money lending on flips, I've seen what get up to. 15 to 18 to 20 percent mm-hmm. or an interest only loan for a short duration of time and then i mean and you're right there's a lot of transactions through the year on that money yeah and it's a lot it's there's a lot of work there's a lot that goes into the taxes there's a lot uh, everything yeah. at that point so now for folks that are getting into it and and we're not legal. We're not attorneys. We're not CPAs. We're not going to give any advice there. But I see the most common route is, is people create LLCs and then they put the rentals in the LLC. Um, is that a strategy you've done in the past or what did you do? Um, I, I have all, all my rentals in LLC, in, in, in an LLC. Uh, one. Just one. You can, you can do multiples. Um, it just, it's your own tolerance or, or need for, risk aversion. I mean, an LLC is just liability protection This yep. is its ultimate purpose. And, you know, if you really decide to jump in and say, you're like, you know, I need 20, 30 doors. That's what I can do with my money. It's a great thing to do. Well, you might want to create three LLCs and then a managing LLC that manages all three to give yourself multiple layers of protection and anonymity. Um, Cause you know, I don't necessarily want everybody to know what I own or, you know, yep. They might decide I'm an asshole. So, <laughs> most of all, yeah, most of all the attorneys, right? Bingo. <laughs> Although they will find you, they will find you. They, yeah, they 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 have a way of doing that. Yeah. Hey, let's break down just a simple few step process. Um, and this is obviously obviously subject to the market where you're at, uh, the availability of um, 
housing and like the desire at the time for people to be buying, picking up properties. But what would be the steps of like, hey, I need 10 grand or hey, I need 20 grand or hey, I need 10 percent or 20 percent. Like what should that process look like to just get one rental? I'm going to I'm going to go find buy a rental. I need to save up to get this. I need to get a note on it, like whatever. Like what does that look like? Um, I would look at what you want to invest. Uh, say you like, Hey, I got 50 grand and I don't want to put it in the stock market. Um, then the, the real question you need to ask and the math you need to do is in your area, wherever that is, what are rents and what interest rate are you looking at? That's it. Um, because at the end of the day, the rent needs to cover your payment, your taxes, and your insurance, period. And if it doesn't, it's a horrible idea. Don't do it. Don't let anybody talk you into like, well, you're just feeding it 100 a month. That's stupid. Don't do that. Um, and so it's, it's that simple equation you need to look at. And then you can decide, well, 50 grand can buy me a, you know, can be, you know, almost 20% down on a $300,000 house. Um, is the $250,000 note going to be covered by the rent? That's your question. Or maybe you're in an area where you can buy a, a rental house for a hundred grand. That'd be sweet. Then you just got to know rents are 1500 there. Awesome. That's a bargain. You're going to at least clear a couple few hundred bucks a month and you'll be able to cover any stuff that goes sideways while you're paying off. Because the, the thing you really want to do if you're buying and holding is you want to be paying off the debt. You want to own that asset free and clear so that that's cash flow for your retirement. That's a rent check that's actually feeding you every month when you're in your older age and you don't want to be driving a truck or running a business. And um, so that's why you have 10 doors or 20 doors. So you're making 10, 20,000 pre-tax a, a month um, and having a great life that's relatively free. So that's, that's the math equation is what is the payment I'm looking at? Because that, depending on the marketplace, if you got 50 grand, well, maybe that's money to go down on two houses. You put 25 down mm -hmm. on two houses. Um, and it depends on what the financing is. If you got credit unions that you like in your area, they're often great places to talk to um, because they like to invest locally. They like to uh, be a part of the community in that way, whereas like a Bank of America really doesn't give a rat's ass about you. Um, and, and they have no local locations, right? Exactly. You're driving around the town trying you to. Don't even get me on that soapbox. Um, but, but you know, local banks, local credit unions—they are great places to talk to because if you have good credit, they're going to be a great uh, uh, tool for you. And then, obviously, there is private money uh, everywhere. Um, but it's expensive and it's not usually very long term. You, you know, the max you'll on a blue moon find is maybe five years and, and maybe in a miracle, you'll get some guy or gal who's like, yeah, I'll carry a note for 15 years. Cause I don't care. I just want my 10%. And there are people like that, but in the private money world, there's not a lot of people like that. That's a mom and pop type situation. And if you find it great, use it. Um, but that's, that's the math you're looking at. And, you know, it's a pretty simple equation and, and, and then you can kind of figure out what's best for you. Do you want to park all your money in one house and feel safe that way? Go for it. Or do you want to divvy it up? If you got 200 grand, 
Can you divide that up and buy five houses, 10 houses? Just depends on where you're living. What's um, the recommendation? Because uh, like, I think people still have to think worst case is like, hey, the rents all take a dive. Yep. Um, something happens or, or, or whatever. Like you still have to be able to afford the mortgage on five locations. Do you have a number in the bank that you want to save towards that'll cover like a, an emergency fund or like, like what's that look like to somebody? It's whatever gives you peace at night, whatever helps you sleep. If it's a hundred grand, God bless you. If it's 10 grand, go rim ride that deal. If it's, you know, everyone's got a different threshold and that's going to be a very personal question that each person can only answer for themselves because what's true for me and it's true for you are going to be two different things. Yeah. Um, because no, everybody has sense. a different capacity for risk. And at the end of the day, nobody ever wants to acknowledge this, but it is the truth is there are certain shit shows. You don't, ex- you don't escape. You didn't, there's no yeah. way to have enough money in the bank. And fortunately in my lifetime, that's never happened. And, and, I don't know that it's even happened uh, since maybe the Great Depression for some folks. Um, but but those things can happen. And I always remind myself of that. Like, I want to be risk averse to a degree, whatever a degree suits me. But there are things that can happen that I can't control and no matter what I did. And that's just something you got to, you know. But the truth is, if you're in business already, you know this. And real estate's yeah. the least of your worries. You're you're a warrior already. Yeah, you're you're already, already in, you know, you're yeah. battling blizzards and hurricanes and tornadoes. Yeah. This is really you're small in. potatoes. You're in. I uh yeah, that's awesome. I think that's a ton of good information and I think uh, hopefully folks are grabbing some good nuggets out of there. What's some resources? Like I is it um what bigger pockets is a is a resource that I've kind of tapped into a little bit. But like what are some resources where folks can go? To if they just want to learn a little bit about investing in real estate and like the just in, in general, who do you recommend them following? Blog, follow, like whatever. I'm terrible with that stuff. Um, Are you? I'm, I'm, you just find people to talk to. My big thing because there's national voices, there's you know uh, cults of personality, and they know things and they're smart, um, but nothing beats local. And, and to me, it's go shake hands with some realtors, go figure out who owns real estate and buy them lunch. And, uh, and, and you never know. I mean, the big thing, and you know, this Cameron is, is networks, it's relationships and you will never be able to replicate the value you'll get from forging real relationships in yep. your local community of real estate investment, you know, realtors, investors. You, yeah. You're competing in some respect, but you're also in the trenches together because when it goes bad, it goes bad for everyone. And when it goes good, it's good for everyone. And you want to see your friends succeed. So I have a lot of really good friends in this industry and they're my guys. And, and so I listen to them and so that's my big encouragement is find those voices in your community that you really feel like you can trust. And yeah, keep your pulse, you know, your hand on the pulse nationally, read the Wall Street Journal, you know, pay attention. But that's my thing. Find your local people and, and get tight. Treat them with love and respect and and, uh, and listen and you'll, you'll get a wealth of and not just that, you'll get great friends out of it, too. 
Yeah, no, I uh, I echo that. And you're right. Pick up the phone, drop by, stop in, show up in an event, go to a, an association, like whatever. Yeah. You just got to get involved in some way. I think in a sense, too, the truckers have their finger on the pulse of the economy because they're the ones that move good. They're the pulse of and the economy. <laughs> they are the pulse. Absolutely. They make America move. So, like, you know, they kind of have a little bit of insight into what's going on with manufacturing, building, what's moving in the different lanes, right. you know, that kind of stuff, too. So um, and a lot of groups that the trucking communities involved in have a lot of economists, just as real estate does, that they will listen to. They, they, no one has a crystal ball, but um, there's still good indicators that people and folks should pay attention to. So, yeah, it's just kind of listen and talk to people. Yeah. I, I think that that's awesome. Sweet. So. What's uh, any predictions for you on the upcoming year and coming out of uh, with the high interest rates and stuff? Like, what do you think is going to happen? You know, no clue as to what's going to happen. Um, I don't I don't feel like it's going to go to the dogs necessarily, but uh, it could. And uh, and so my posture is. Uh, to be ready to find deals that I can hold on to. Um, and is that coming up with cash and having yeah. cash available? Yeah. Be in position and, and, you know, maybe talk to your bank, your lenders, your credit union, and, and just know, okay, this is kind of what a non-owner loan is going to cost me right now. It's 15, 20% down, whatever it is. And think, hey, there's some distressed situations. There's people who are who are now in a bad spot and they're going to need to get rid of a house. And, and that, you know, it, you hate that it, they're going to have a bad time, but that's, that's what happens in these kinds of conditions. And so my, my posture is be ready to find distress situations and, and end up being the remedy to that situation. And for myself, be ready to hang on to some things for a while and, and let it ride and just I love it. That, that's not going to go too badly. (laughs) Yeah. No. And I don't, I think uh, historically, and if you play the long game and you've got that in mind, even with the stock market, even with anything, you have waves. It's cyclical. It's going to drop. And all of a sudden you lost a ton of like uh, wealth. You know what I mean? On paper, but then it comes back up and it's like, okay, I'm fine again. And if you're doing this long-term for retirement or towards retirement or to pass on to as a legacy, like that's what you got to keep in mind. It's not the real time moves or the, the waves exactly. that are going through. So, yeah. Cool, man. Well, thank you so much. I, man, a ton of great information. It's helped me. I'm, I know it'll help folks that are listening to this. Um, is there anything that you want to share? Is there any like parting wisdom or if you had one piece of advice, like aside from talking to the local folks, I, I, I think that's awesome. Find a mentor, learn from those that do it. But, um, no, I'm, thanks for letting me be on your show, dude. This is fun. Uh, you know, I will say yeah, there's man. a guy I like. Um, actually, just I just picked up his book. This is my Dr. Leo Marvin moment. No, I did not write the book. Let's um, do it. <laughs> uh, but I'm a huge fan of Ryan Holiday, and uh, he has yeah. written a series of books on uh, Stoic virtue, and uh, he has one on this new one just came out on discipline. Uh, his first book is tattooed on my arm. The obstacle is the way. Hey, I actually read that book this last year. Did you? I love Ryan's yep. work. Um, I've actually yep. hired uh, his time a couple times just to improve on life. Um, and he's he's a really good guy. But he's I think this is his fifth book in this particular series. 
And I think they're great life wisdom. So there you go. Ryan Holiday, find his stuff. You will find it useful. And for the, the truckers out there, they do have the audio books. Yes. So listen to it on the road. Yeah. I think when you're driving, it can be very valuable. You can learn how to make money and diversify wealth while driving and making money. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful thing oh, you can do when you learn. I love it. Okay. Steven, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay. All right, everyone, you can find this on all the popular channels. You can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, get a load of this trucking podcast. Come join the group on Facebook. There's a lot of good content shared, a lot of good uh, interactions and folks just helping each other. So uh, tune in next time. Thank you all.